0: to 247 world Talk this is your host Julian Perry and once again I'm glad to be with you on this episode I have a guest Raquel Jones who is going to tell us about the welfare escape artist that she is so we'll be right back So good evening, Raquel. Welcome to 247 Real Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Hello, Kurt.
1: I'm Julian. How are you today?
0: I am well. I am well. Um before we get into what I know is a very interesting story because we've had a few conversations prior to. Um I want to take a moment to talk to all those who are listening on the audio podcast and those who are listing on the TV episode in the mogul TV network, um, to say a few words about the massacre in Texas and those young children and, and the teachers that lost their lives. This world has okay. become such a a polarized place. People are angry for all the wrong reasons, and hmm. you know I will have an episode where I will deal with. Not only those type of issues, but with the whole anti-pro-gun issue. But right now, I just want to offer my condolences and sympathy to the families who are dealing with such a tragic loss. And I pray that they receive God's peace at this time. So, having said that, let's get into the show. Welcome to 247 Real Talk. Tell us, who is Raquel Jones?
1: Thank you, Julian. So Raquel Jones is one a survivor of the merciless welfare system that penalized me for wanting to become independent and financially, you know um, secure for myself for my family. Um, I'm a trailblazer. I am you know, someone who just refused to take no for an answer. So I'm someone who just refused to take no for an answer, and you know, just despite all odds, persevered through something that many of our um,
0: Americans
1: are facing on a daily basis.
0: Okay, so we we're gonna get into your story because, like I said, I've got a few notes here, and I know that we discussed uh, this before. So I I know my callers, uh, my listeners will want to know where you're calling from, just by state. Where are you calling in from?
1: Well, today we're actually calling in from Houston, Texas. Um, Originally, we're in Washington, D.C., and we're on a tour. So we have an RV wrapped and we're traveling state to state. So right now we are in Houston, Texas.
0: Okay. So you're not really that far from the tragedy
1: actually known um about we were in san antonio when it happened which was about 85 miles from the tragedy that was just
0: okay doesn't
1: even beyond a tragedy i, I don't even have yes. words for
0: that and i was i said I will do an episode on it because i think it's about time that real talk has a real talk with the my listeners and with the nation about this so raquel jones you have a story that I want to say, and I hope I use the right adjective here, you are a, a sort of, and forgive me if I don't, but for the benefit of my listeners, it sort of rags to riches story. You started at a, at a struggle, and you made it to the point where you were able to empower others. So tell us about your beginnings. So
1: initially, I worked... As a juvenile detention center, I was in charge of about 160 girls. And of those 160 girls, 158 of them were African-American, 158 of them were from single-family homes, 158 of them did not have relationships with their fathers, they were dropouts, and I thought that that was not an accident. And in my pursuit to solve this problem, I inherently became the problem. And so I found myself pregnant with not one, two, three, but four children, three different fathers. And, you know, just in this baby mama drama, you know, stereotype, you know, poor relationships with the fathers and in this welfare system where, you know, I was being told that the more kids I have, the more money I would get. And so, you know, just not understanding how I became the thing I was trying to solve. That was weird. Um, but I was still so, you know, overcome by compassion and just propelled or to solve this problem. Why was our detention centers so, you know, one sided or um disproportionately represented by African American?
0: So hold on. Um, hold on. Let's, let's let's you said something that I don't want to gloss over because I want the listeners to get the entire f- uh, feeling of your past and your story, because I think many people identify with it. You were saying at one point you were told, have more kids, get more money.
1: Oh, definitely. That was definitely what the moms and social services, you know, it was like the blind leading the blind. Like that was the get up. That was that was the economic ladder you were climbing back then in those, you know, social service waiting rooms. Absolutely.
0: So what happened next?
1: And so, you know, I'm just like, am I dreaming? Is this real? This cannot be, this will not be my life. I, how did I get here? So now you have all of these thoughts of, you, you got self-worth, self-doubt. You got self that you're dealing with. Then you have four children. Then you have this system that you're trying to, you know, you're believing that it wants to help you. And so you're laying yourself vulnerable to it, you know, availing yourself to it until it actually told me, you know, we're not going to pay for you to go to school to become an attorney. So you're going to have to withdraw. I was at that time, I believe, um, going to school for economics. Politics, Economics, and Law. And they just told me, if you want this TANF check, you have to come out of school. And I really thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you're supposed to be here to help me. Well, we're going to pay for you to become a CNA. And I thought, I don't even have the stomach for CNA. That's not what I'm called to do. And so I had to make a decision. Was I going to take this $700 a month TANF check, which was all the money I had at that point, Or, you know, am I going to stay in school? And so I just remember, you know, things just started to kind of build up for me. These thoughts of anger and rage, you know, went unchecked for a long time. I was literally thinking about murdering my son's fathers, all of them. I thought of hurting somebody because I was so, so angry. And I just remember one day playing the tape to the end. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never getting out of this. I'm going to be here forever. My, And then I started to look at my family. I was like, you know what? No one ever made it out. Everybody stuck. No one achieved life abundantly. Everybody was still stuck in this deteriorating state of quality life, whether it was drug addiction, alcoholism. Just poor health, poor, no wealth, social services, public housing, Section 8, jail, prostitution, domestic violence. It just was overwhelming to know, oh, my God, this is your life. And I looked at my sons and I said, the thought of having four of them inherit this, what looks like a, a curse, I thought, I can't can't do it. And right at that moment, I heard a voice that said, drown them. Just like that. It was like, drown them.
0: Did you say drown them?
1: Drown. As in kill them.
0: them.
1: As in drown them, kill them. Okay. Murder them. Drown them in the tub. Mm. And so every night, I would give my sons a bath anyway. And then this particular night, I heard the words, drown them. And I really thought, well... This is the only option for me. I've tried it all. I've done everything. There was nothing more for me to do. It wasn't going to happen. And so I ran the water. I got their towels. And when the water was finished, I thought, let me find which one I would drown first. I said, let me find the oldest wow. one because he would give me the most problems. Wow. And then I started to think like, Raquel, do you know what you're about to do? And I literally saw myself rotting away in jail. I was there but I wasn't there. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get I'm gonna kill myself. And I went and got a razor blade because I was gonna slip my wrist right after I did that. And when I went for my oldest, he I couldn't find him. And then I went for the second oldest and I couldn't find him. So I said, Well, let me go get the baby out of the crib because he will give me the least amount of trouble. He's just a baby. Uh, And he wasn't anywhere to be found. It was like the Lord hid those children from my eyes in that moment of darkness. So where were they? They were there, but they weren't there for me to see. And that's the crazy part, because that's the part that I started to say what is happening, because the kids were right here just a minute ago, like while I'm running the water, while I'm getting the towels, they're there. I hear them running around the house. They're there. And it was just a room. You know, there was a room. But in that moment, I could not find them in that moment. And then I saw you know what? You're having a nervous breakdown. That's what's happening. You're going crazy right now. This is what nervous breakdown look like. And then one of them comes and appears before me and he's eating this cookie and he starts laughing at me. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, huh, I wonder why he's laughing. So I asked him, I said, why are you laughing? Then he starts laughing even louder like someone was tickling him. Then he starts moving around like someone's tickling him. And I thought, I said, listen, I said, we're leaving here today. I said, it's not funny. I said, I've made my mind No one is going to change that. Then he starts laughing even louder. But this time, it was like an echo of laughter. The laughter was so loud, it echoed to the point where I had nothing else In my, like, I could hear nothing. I could see nothing but this laughter. And it was something so pure, so honest, so innocent. In that laughter, I could literally hear the words that said, wait, hold on. It gets better. But it was like a whisper, like, wait, like, hold on. It gets better. And when I tried to realize what is happening right now, because the person who had to hold on and wait, it gets better. I didn't have anything in me to hold on. And when I realized what I was about to do, I thought, "I'm who am I that I could even uh, think about doing anything like this? And I literally felt my brain rattle in my head. And that's when I said, this is what a nervous Breakdown feels like and i remember holding my head still to prevent my brain from falling out of my ears because it was rattling that hard and i fell to my knees and i prayed one prayer and i said lord if you get me out of this in my right mind i'll come back and help others like me
0: okay so let's take a pause there um for those watching on tv we're going to take a quick commercial break and for those listening on the audio podcast uh sit down relax and we'll be right back So welcome back and we're here talking with Raquel Jones and she's telling us this riveting story and uh, she's at the point where she's down on her knees praying because she basically was about to take the lives of her kids and for those of us who could remember many years ago, I think there was a story, I'm not sure what state it was in, where this uh, lady drove her car into the lake with her kids and... and I think she got out and she let the car go into the lake and and drowned both of her kids. So we understand that people get to this place in the state of mind. So go ahead, Raquel, continue telling us your story.
1: So um, at that moment when I literally fell to my knees and I asked God one prayer, I didn't ask for anything else. I said, Lord, please help me get out of this hellhole. And I promise I will come back and help others like me. I don't know why that was the first prayer. I don't know why I had to ask, you know, for my right mind and that I would come back and help others. It just seemed to be the most, it just was what was said. And just like that, I remember getting off the floor, I turned the TV off and I literally became like this super organized. I had like developed a system literally overnight. Because you think about, you know, someone, a single mom going to school, you know, needing to go full time work, you know, watch the kids full time and you need a system. And so the system was already in me. Uh, It just this was the circumstances that brought it out. But I remember after it was all said and done, I heard the Lord's voice say and I was used to hearing God's voice. So this voice was different and it was Something that was dark, but it was still something I heard nonetheless. And I remember the Lord said, Take a picture. And I took a picture of my sons on that day after they took their baths and, you know, with him eating his cookie. So I remember that that was my crossroads. And I call that my crossroads. And I have those pictures and I've saved those pictures, you know, over the years because. That was the day
0: that would mark the rest of my life. So your life changed that day. You're you're you had a a life altering moment. That um, fortunately for you, you your relationship with God allowed you to uh, digress from it. Whereas you know, you've seen the unfortunate situations where people don't and they take the lives of their the entire family. So we're, we're thankful that you got past that point. so what was the next road, you know, next road you went down? What, what, you know, where'd you head next after that?
1: So after that, I'm, I registered for my bachelor's degree in, um, I just registered for a bachelor's degree. I knew that I had to continue school and I knew that the path before me would be long. And so I knew that um, I was not going to stop doing school. School was like my underground railroad, particularly when I learned that the income that I was receiving through my tap and my Pell and my student loans, you know, grants, scholarships, none of those, you know, none of that was considered income. And so that allowed me to keep my welfare benefits because what most people don't know, as soon as that mom goes to work, she immediately loses her health care. Her medica- her Medicaid is gone. Her food stamps are significantly decreased. Her rent goes up if she's living in subsidized housing, and you know she's working, but she's in the red. Going right. to work. So, so hold on there. Let's
0: talk about that for a moment because you know you you hit on a, on a point that I've been making in many episodes as I talk about things like student loans and and talk about what's going on in America and and the the great socioeconomic challenges for minorities. And you hit it in the head because basically you're saying, you know, you're you're on welfare and you have everything, right? You have food stamps, you have, you know, Medicaid or whatever it is. You have, um, you know, subsidized housing. And then the minute you decide to lift yourself, you still need help, but they strip you of all the benefits. Correct.
1: Absolutely correct. Which was weird because you're like, so you mean that I cannot do anything, never, never work, never go to school, and mm-hmm. you're going to give me the world. But as soon as I try to get my life together, you're going to out They tear
0: you down. Yes, 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 yes. That is so powerful because that has been an argument and that has been a, a passion of mine in 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 many of my, you know, hundred and something episodes on the audio podcast. And, you know, this is so poignant and and this is such a uh, riveting and revealing conversation because it's the argument that I've been making all along. And, and, you know, minorities are sort of, there's a systemic and uh, a purposeful effort, a purposeful uh, attitude towards oppressing minorities and making it impossible for them to rise. So... Absolutely. Um, yes, continue.
1: So, I mean, you just hit it on the point. I remember walking out of social services and I was walking out the parking lot to my car and they told me that, you know, I didn't qualify for a program. It was always some new program. Come see if you qualify. And literally, you think I'm playing. You could be over $2 mm-hmm. and you would be over. And that. I, you would have millions of moms say, yep, I was not, you know, qualified because I was $2 over. And so I remember asking the caseworker, who makes these rules? Yeah, And she would just look at me like, it's not me. And I knew then I had to continue to go to school. I studied public policy, public administration. And I walked out that building. And I said, I don't care if it takes me 20 years, I will change you. And I really didn't even realize what I was saying. And 20 years later, you know, the welfare tour, 1 million moms of welfare, we're changing the welfare system. That system will change because we we've already changed it just by being mere survivors, just by being able to get moms off the welfare system, using one system to, to, you know, like what they say, Rob Peter to pay Paul. You use one, beat the system, use the system to beat the system. And so that's what I teach women and it works. And so that's how I got the name, the welfare escape artist, because I've been in these pipelines for 20 years you know, crawling through, looking at where the policy snags you up, and then looking for and reading the regs, reading the policies. And I've even found that most times when they tell you no, it's not even policy, it's just a practice. So I had to start, I learned early on can you show me that policy in writing where, you know, the rule that you're practicing, this no? Can you show me where you guys came up with that formula and where and they can never find it. Right. And so that's when I started to really get that, you know, my my advocacy hat just kind of my muscles strengthened when I learned that if it's not in writing, it's not real and that these people tell you anything. Half the time they didn't even read the regulations themselves nor do they know the policies themselves. And so when I I was able to kind of, you know, escape through the the black and white, through the, the, you know, somebody said red tape, but I I escaped through the policy walls because they were practicing something that was not part of their policies. And when I would challenge the policy was when I was able to always, maneuver or like go to the next level, get what I need at the next phase, get that program and qualify for that program. Right. And so that's really in a nutshell, I wish people just knew that while America on one hand and this is the reality I hope Julian we really get to understand because I really do think that we're going to see ourselves. We're going to see ourselves in these days how much of ourselves are actually a part of our own problems because we say we support a democracy or a republic yet both are just as critically you know entrenched in in this problem of oppression but we all vote every year every year Vote for the same old thing
0: So, so hang on to that thought cause that's, that's what I want to get into I'm going to take another quick commercial break And then we're going to continue with that thought Okay Okay, so we're back with Raquel Jones, uh, welfare escape artist, and what I wanted to bring up, Raquel, um, that I thought was really important, and, and one point I really have to touch on because I keep, I will continue to fight this fight for forty-six million people in America, the student loan issue, as that's part of that oppression. So here you were on welfare, bottomed out about to do, you know, about to take the entire lives of yourself and your family, your children, and you figure a way to stand up and walk. And part of that is getting educated to do exactly what you do today. And in your effort, you, you studied things like public administration, things that are critical to this society, things that benefit this society. How do you feel about your cause and then what, federal student loans are doing to minorities?
1: Well, I remember a conversation that we, now I will tell you this, you know, student loans saved my life. Right. It was the only, it was like a rafter. If you're stuck at shore, stuck at, you know, stuck on the shore, it was the only rafter at the time that helped me. I would have never taken that route had i had other options but i didn't and so while on one hand i really hate encouraging debt to that degree that tells you how there are no other options because moms would have already taken it a long time ago right and And so you know it sucks it sucks but i do thank god that obama put the 10-year forgiveness right. program together You work at a you know but what do you yeah.
0: see i think what i'm getting at is and this is the point i've been making too is you're empowering people and people are learning that there is another way but i'm sure you encounter the challenge that i think the 46 million people are screaming to our current president biden and to anyone in government who will hear or listen and that is when you when when you I remember you mentioning to me in in, in a previous conversation that you even took the maximum yeah. allowed at the time because yeah. the, the additional money helped you to survive. But now, how many of the people you've encountered and you're trying to uplift? I mean, first of all, you know it can't be that easy to um, convince them to go to school now, knowing what's going on with student loans. But also, I'm sure you've encountered time and time again what I've encountered, and that's people saying. you know, I'm not getting the job to be able to pay back my student loans and live. It's sort of like the same catch where when you come off of welfare, you lose your benefits. Well, you know, you you come out of school and you have rent and you have um, transportation, you have light, you have gas, you have certain, you know, inherent bills that you can't run away from. And the federal government will go to the point of, of putting you in default, you know, completely ruining your credit, uh, garnishing your paycheck to get back money, but when you finish college, you, you you give back to this same country over and over again for the rest of your life. And then we we also as minorities face the issue of systemic racism, where you know we we get excited, we put on our suit or attire or our best our best dress, and we go to an interview and we're the best qualified with the most passion, and we don't get the job because of the color of our skin.
1: And I think inherently what you see is two systems. You see a traditional system of those that believe the same thing. Go to school, get a good education, get a good job, buy a home. It's the American dream. It's the trajectory for the traditional way. I promise you, those are not the thoughts that the moms on the bottom, the ones in the welfare office, they're not having those thoughts. Because most of them are like any. Things I need to do, they don't even care if they leave them to, to a job because most of them I have found in my experience are already entrepreneurial. Okay. So they're looking at the freedom that, they see, it's like if you are with an oppressive, you've been in bondage so long and couldn't move, this right here gives you the ability to now move. Right. They don't need, they're not even considering the same factors of get a job because these on the bottom already have been convinced that the system is inherently designed to make me fail. To oppress them.
0: Yes. Yes. That's a sad story. Yes.
1: It is. So they don't even think along those same lines. Like that fairy tale was over when they were, you know what I'm saying? Long, long, long time ago. Right. Now they're like, oh, okay. I can escape. I'm gone. And catch me if you can. I'm gone. Right. I promise you that is not the tale that a lot of moms on this level that I've in, in, encountered, oh, no, they don't care. They're not saying, I can't find a job because I got the student loans. First of all, they didn't even know the student loans was even a factor. Right, right. And it was by default that they learned about it, and they're using it specifically. Most of them are using it, you know,
0: as a to build a business. Right.
1: Yeah, they're using it to keep their benefits. Take care of their household, you know, while they, I like to say, grow themselves out of poverty.
0: So let's examine that for a quick second, because what I'm hearing, and I think this is very powerful in my conversation again about student loans, and and one of the main reasons or additional reasons why why they need to, um, you know, wipe out student loans, so to speak, is that people are now looking at student loans as seed money, so to speak, for an entrepreneur. Uh, going after an idea, they're looking at that student No money, or the extra they get as seed money to build a business or something. Because, and you know that is that is very ingenious. You know I mean that is that is a great and that is you know that takes a lot of motivation. But more so, the underlying message there is: I know that when I get to the end of my degree, if I don't do something with the extra funds now, I'm going to be caught up in the same debacle as 46 million people looking for a job that can't pay my bills. So I've got to, I've got to be innovative and take the money that was really just meant Mm -hmm. from education and use it somehow Mm -hmm. for myself because the government's not going to help me when I'm done here.
1: Absolutely. That if you think about the whole mortgage, I never could understand how people buy a home, pay the mortgage off for 30 years, claim to have equity and then have to take the loan out for their equity. I'm like, it's not yours. You got to borrow it. <laughs> yes. So, you know, so, but you have some people who believe, let me use home ownership because I can borrow and build wealth through home equity. It's the same thing. Listen, you don't see banks co signing and just giving money to black and brown communities. If this is the the money that is available,
2: Then use it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, oh,
1: absolutely. It's a shame that you know they're charging us this all of this money and interest rate for the same, and the information don't even change. The information is not hasn't even changed. It hasn't even evolved. That's the scary part. Like our education system has not even evolved. They're not teaching us more new stuff. They're teaching us the same, same thing, thing over and over. And over.
0: over. Yes, the curriculum has remained the is remaining the same too with too a same. few tweaks. Yes. It's a scam.
1: Yeah. Yes. It's a scam. And I, I need America to wake up. And because and the real solutions are within us, on the ground. The so people practically walking this out. Not for the few that make the policies and who serve as the storefronts of policy. Where you know, for the big corporations who really drive the economy, like wake up already. Well,
0: that's, that's, like that's, I'm up. That's yeah. You are up, and that's uh, that's a new one. I've never had in the hundreds and something episodes. I've never had a guest really look at it in that perspective. And 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 the sad thing is that you know I hate to say it, and I'm and I'm, and I'm almost concerned that out of this conversation. And I have a, a decent size of viewership. And all of this conversation, there'll be the wrong person in, in government, maybe, who hears this and decides now, you know, well, look, you know, that, and that's the problem with how minorities are seen because, you know, they're not going to say, well, wow, that's incredible. These people are, 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 right. are you know, are innovative, and when we should support them, they're probably going to look to say. Well, we need to stop this and we need to give them exactly what the tuition is. You know, they shouldn't have this extra money to do it. I mean, that, that's the re- that's the response. Even when you're doing the best you can do, even when you're doing something that they didn't think of, that lifts you, that takes you to the yeah. next level, they look at some way and they, they want to tie it up into this, you know, this legal jargon you know this 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 nonsense that they bring into play as to why they have to make this change and it's costing america this and on all this nonsense i mean i think i don't know if i discussed this with you in, in our chat but you know i i had an episode recently i think it was my last episode where i was so infuriated by this This lady who was on 1010 Winds, I was listening to 1010 Winds, and she said, you know, we should not wipe out student loans because the government stands to lose a lot of uh, money, billions of dollars in revenue. And then here we are a few days ago, President Biden signed, I think, probably the second uh, grant to Ukraine. And this one was 40 billion dollars. So you can give $40 billion to a country. Yes, they're in need, but you can't give it to your own people. You can't, you can't help your own people. You were talking about loss of revenue? You know, it, yeah, it, 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 is, it is ridiculous that we mean nothing to our own country, but, you know, you, you, treat, you, treat, you treat a stranger... For political reasons, for political clout, for your know, for for gains overseas, for, for your know, foreign policy gains, better than you treat the people in your own country, and then we're the first ones to yell to the rest of the world: we are the example for democracy.
1: And until until we wake up and realize, huh, we're not like we are not so. I mean, I think that, and I thought about that a lot, Julie, and I was like, if we keep sharing this, they're going to, you know, just change the rules. But then, but then, but then I was reminded, you know, COVID changed the game. And my father is, you know, at the end of the day, you watch and see what was, is no longer. And the game has already changed. If you're really, really looking at it, you see the paradigm shifting. What and what they used to do, they can no longer do. So it's a different day. I mean, it is a different day. I dare them to try. It won't work because we are too. It. I guess it has gotten. You got to think that a whole nation was given almost a year and a half, and paid right to develop their gifts to develop who they were.
0: Right, and. I, and And I'm, and I'm hoping that
1: your whole nation is about to, has already shifted.
0: And I'm hoping with that shift that we can look as I've been doing and I, and I'm not the only podcast. I've, there's hundreds of podcasts out there. I, I, I I even um, referenced the letter that the, the attorney general of New York, Letitia James sent to, President Biden about taking this burden off of minorities by wiping out these student loans, and I think I agree with you because I think that the voices are so loud. And we're, you know, uh, last I heard, President Biden says, "Well, I don't think I, I was. I'm not going to. I'm not going to wipe out fifty thousand. Now I'm not going to do that. I have to come up with something else." And 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 I think the nation and and, and the country is getting loud enough that the only thing we're going to allow you to come up with is wiping out these student loans. You don't have no more excuses because. You've given so much money to foreigners, okay? You've and, and you, we are telling yeah, you, crazy. we're telling you what minorities are suffering in this country, and I and I made the point that you know he, he appointed a black uh, uh, supreme court judge, and he has a black uh, speak um, press secretary, and that is nice, and those things should be celebrated, but they're like taking a bowl, I'll repeat exactly what I said, taking a bowl of salt and sprinkling a few touches of black pepper in it, okay? You, you, they, they do these things to political clout so when re-elections, uh, or elections and re-election come, they can say, look what I did. But you didn't do it for the masses, okay? It is wonderful to do and, and to uplift two people or three people or ten people, but you've been oppressing millions for years and now you have the opportunity to do something for 46 million people of mixed races, although... The majority of those people are, are minorities, but you have you have a chance to make a real difference. And if if, if, if he says, if our president says this is what he's about, then we're going to hold him to fire that that's what he's about. And I think that the noise I is... Think, go ahead.
1: I, th- I think we have to consider the trauma of these communities because I promise you, I've seen it. Go ahead and withheld, withhold one opportunity, one right, one privilege, for mm-hmm. one white person
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I have worked in General Assemblies, Congress, I have worked, I have seen them go ham and paint for hot sauce day. Okay. Right. So what we see, one of the things I'm very clear about is like. There's a saying that a seed, can, a seed sown can only produce after its own kind. If you sow an apple seed, you will indeed get an apple tree. You're going to get apples. You're not going to get bananas or oranges. So when a system only knows injustice, it will only continue to create injustice. So we should stop looking at the system thinking it's going to create something different. And when we realize that, you know, come from out of her, this system is not going to give you what you need. And when we realize that we have the power, we cannot, and I think that's the American dream, that's the fallacy of our democracy that says, you know, wait, govern, you know, President Biden will do it, The the, macro, the Democratic Party will do it, the Republican will do it. No we will do it. When we say we will stop banking with you, we will stop cable with you. We will turn off Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. We will not shop with you. We will shut Walmart down. We will shut every nail salon down, every Chinese food. So we have the power. So we have to stop thinking that someone else is going to do this because that's just not Realistic, and they will continue to sell us lies, sell us dreams, as long as they continue to, make, to be able to make us believe that they are the solution and they have an answer.
0: Right. So I think that we
1: have to realize
0: that. Right, but I think we're on the same page there in, in 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 the sense that what I'm saying is by by our actions, by our unwillingness to accept what they're what they're trying to sell us or shovel our way. When I say President Biden, I mean that he'll be forced to sign it. Okay. In other words, we the power lies with the people, and that's, that's why I mentioned all these podcasts and all these people. There's even senators who are calling for this this abolishment of of the, of the you know the, of or the forgiveness of all the ferrous student loans, and and he it, it, all that's needed at the end of the day is that he has to put his signature on a piece of paper when it gets to that level. So what I'm saying is he can he can at this point of the game. Knowing the rumble that's going on in the nation, he can choose to be proactive and do it, and at least I guess to a certain point save face and hold on to some amount of of, of dignity of dignity in our community. Or he can have us force him to do it. At which case, any other collateral he had is going to be spent. So when I but say, what about
1: if you look at it from a balance in the books? When you look at how the books are balanced, you gotta have those, what do they call credits? Mm -hmm. You gotta have those accounts payable. Even if they're not being paid, it means that we are good for it because this is debt that is owned by student loan debt that cannot be bankrupt. You know, they don't include it in your bankruptcy. So it's almost guaranteed debt. But when you're looking at the balance sheet of America, they need the student loan debt to even make good or keep borrowing money probably from China.
0: Well, so so here's the thing about that. Um, And I I made this point, too, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I love other perspectives and I can see my listeners shaking their heads without even seeing them. Uh, in agreement, I'm saying, and, and getting engaged in this conversation, because what I said was, and I and I I remember interviewing a gubernatorial candidate, and one of the things he was saying is the way you the way you should handle um, federal student loans is start making the schools accountable, start making the universities accountable, and it's a, it's a sort of a simple plan of saying let them hold the note. OK, because a lot of what we're getting to is and this is not just the entire problem, but a big part of the problem, too, is when you when you when you graduate, there's so many colleges and universities out there charging so much money. When you graduate, the degree that you have is not worth the paper it's printed on. OK, they don't do anything. They don't create any relationships with the business community to even you know, give you a start. So you're out there on your own com- competing in a field that's already you know, dismissing you. And these two, these schools are just collecting the money from the federal government and, and then you're on your own, right? And so if they were forced to make sure that you got, like you said, nothing has changed. But if they, had, if they were forced to make sure that you get a quality education, first of all, you'd see half of the colleges and universities disappear. And the ones that would remain are the ones that are up to the challenge. And when they produce a quality curriculum that makes you relevant to this time and competitive, then the federal government releases the money. Okay. But then I
1: also learned that when you go to private schools, the private schools have that. They infuse that network, that GW network, that Harvard network, that now those that don't, and that's where it's unrighteous. Because what you're saying is what's freely given is now sold to the, those that can't afford. Education, like who comes up with this stuff you don't just think of this stuff literally on your own it is like divinely inspired on many cases but people that go to ivy league schools they have networks and people who go to public schools which i am an advocate for public schools it's just like a big pond a big you know sink or swim make it if you can but you know it sucks
0: and that's
1: not the model
0: and not only that, but as I mentioned before too, and I see it because I, you know of, of where I live, you know the amount of money out of our taxes that's put into certain neighborhoods and not put into the neighborhoods. Of, so minorities, and I and I I had a video that I wanted to play on this on this um this episode, but I wasn't able to get a, a release to do it. But it, it the video mentions. You got poor teachers, poor education, poor everything the, you know the, all the 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 experiences of kids that go into certain neighborhoods go to schools in certain neighborhoods sets them up for success in life while you have us minorities are sort of the bottom feeders getting the leftovers and then you then you then you charge us an education at a cost that's that's you know not that far off of some of the more expensive universities, and then we then you send us out there into the world and say sink or swim. And now,
1: interestingly enough, my sons—I have
0: three, I have four sons. Three okay. of them
1: was in school for business, and they all dropped out because they said, and they were going to three different schools. They said, "Mom, my teachers." Are teaching business and none of them own a business.
2: <laughs> right. So how
1: can they teach me how to run a business if they never own one? Right. So I was like, I couldn't even argue with them. I'm still trying to find an argument for, them. I'm like, listen, you're a black male. You need to be in school somewhere. And this younger generation, they're like, Nope, I'm not buying it. I'm out. They're going to do
0: a whole new thing. Right. And, and, and so there's a good and bad about that. I think that the, um, because I agree I agree with that that the, the innovation and I agree about thinking about side the box and that's what makes great people and great leaders and that's what lifts minorities who are facing all these challenges. I agree with all of that. But I also feel that if someone opted to go the traditional route that you mentioned about going to college and getting the job and getting there and buying a whole you know, the whole thing that we've been sold for many years. It's, if, if that plan works for other races, it should work for minorities too. And the fact is that it's not a level playing fee. And the fact is that many people, again, are saddled with debt that they can't overcome. And then it's not a situation where even, and someone was talking about this issue too, even the income-driven repayment part of the Federal Student Loans doesn't take most basic cost of living you know uh or, or costs of living into consideration when they come up with what you need to pay, so even when you go to income dri- dri- uh, income based uh repayment, you're still left in a position where you can't afford to live. People have had to sell their houses, move back in with their parents. That's not what we want, especially people who are working here, giving to the United States. You know, people who come but from. But I also think, Go ahead.
1: Julian, I also think that one of the things we have to know is the model exists in other places, Canada, you know, in other countries. There are free education, free medical. Yes. So the model exists yes. in other places. We have to look at, you know, America is, you know, a capital. It has grown to be, and has always come very to capitalist. It. Yes, capitalist. Robbing Peter to make Paul greedy, you know, the colonizing, you know, country. It's the land survival of the fittest, and so the model is there.
0: But yeah, that's what I, that what I was about to say to you. That was about to say to you because it's I know there. I know that there are people who come from the Caribbean, for instance, where. They leave and they come here because those, you know, if you come from an island, you know, there's only don't, they don't but so many jobs. But they set them up for success because they're given free education all the way through. Some through their bachelor's, some through you know a postgraduate, and and so the the, the fact that you know a, a country or an island that's nowhere as rich as the United States can do that. Like you said, Canada has it. So many other places have it. And yet here we are, supposedly the most powerful and richest country in the world, and we have to struggle for every single thing. They tax us 10 times on everything and, and then tell you to go ahead and succeed. And, that, and that's why in this country, especially, you've got like the, the, what we call the top 1%, the people who are filthy rich. And then you have, you know, when you look at minorities, you know, we have a few few people who are doing pretty well. But for the most part, we're struggling against a system that's designed to oppress us.
1: Which then tells you that, and when I look at oppression i don't I don't look at it as it's not authentic, it's not genuine, it's not real it's it's based off lies, you cannot oppress people in truth, so somewhere where there where there is oppression, there is lies right you gotta know that, so it's like, okay, so how many of us still want the American dream still want to we're still striving for this false sense of ideals that thieves created and it's not real and, and that's the part that truly and sadly each American is going to have to come up to their own reality and I think what has happened the other day, what has happened and transpired you know, for the past several weeks, it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going because we have to look at ourselves what is the American dream? Redefine the American right. dream. Redefine America as freedom, justice, liberty for, for all. all. Yes, we say that, but we're not that, and that's the reality we have to face.
0: And I and I tell you, I always me- I've been mentioning his name a lot recently, and I I, I he's probably laughing when he listens because he he knows our conversations. But I have my friend Motanya Gladden, who is really really a a fan of this of this podcast and he says he said I remember him saying to me your words are echoing in my in my head because he says to me you know you're measuring these things by whose standards who says we have to measure them by their standards and that's the truth you know and he's and you know you're saying the exact same thing and and I know he'll smile when he hears this because you know he is he's I've, I've battled with him a lot but I've also learned a lot from from you know his his perspective and that's you know we have to stop deciding that we have to live by someone else's standards. We have to, right. you know, demand to be, to, to live you know, as for who we are and not for who you want us That's to right. be, you know?
1: That's right. And so, I believe that God created the her, the whole earth, that all man. There's enough for all of us. There's enough. And then too, and I think that since COVID, I think a lot of us have, we we just opted out. We opted out of this fallacy of the American dream and it's just going to crumble. It's crumbling before our eyes. Right. And so when you see this deterioration of mental health, mental stability, you know, these are the, you know, the uns- it's sad, but it's sad, but these are the people that I mean, this system is creating. This is the fruit of what we created. We're not a healthy We're not healthy and we're not prosperous because true prosperity. And I think we talked about this true prosperity says, I, I am so prosperous. I have so much to give. It's not even enough for me to hold it. So I'm going to share it. True prosperity is when you want everybody to have what you have. And when people hold, they hold out of fear. They hold out of scarcity. So the wealth, they are wealthy, most of them, because they cheat. They do not play fair, And that is not an authentic system. It's not a righteous system. And God is more. He created the whole earth to to, to be able to take care of us all. And, And people and their greed and their fear and their lack of competition, you know, they can't compete, so they cheat. Yes. And... It's disgusting, deplorable, and I will not be held by that standard. So like your friend of the podcast, no, I'm not going to be held by that standard. I'm going to, my creator created something brilliant in me, created something awesome when he created me, and I'm going to be held by a higher standard. And I just hope that all of our listeners, all of your listeners say, you know what, I think there's a better way. Yeah. Well, if, if you don't know the better way, find the better way. Seek a better way. Seek a higher way. And because I, this
0: ain't it. Yes. And I, and I know I've gone way over my time, but um, that is a powerful and positive way to um, to end the wrap of this episode. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Your conversation has been amazing. Um, your energy has been amazing. And your truth has been amazing. I, I, I hope that, you know, my my hope is that, Exactly as, as as we're doing right now, it starts with conversation. It starts with sharing ideas, sharing knowledge, and and being willing to stand up and be part of the solution. To join, like you said, that movement that's getting louder, that's 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 rumbling, that's saying to those who who are used to making decisions for us that those days are over. So. um raquel thank you i can't thank you enough for being a a guest on 247 real talk podcast i can't thank you enough for um bringing your 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 energy and your knowledge to all my audio listeners and what will be now my tv listeners um and i do hope that as you continue your tour that you will be uh that you will Bless me again with your presence on the show, as, you know, at, at some other sure. point so that we can not only catch up with, with the progress you've been making, but continue this conversation that America needs to have. And those in minorities need to hear and even everyone needs to hear because those who are not on board or don't understand need to take the time to understand the issue and understand where we're going understand that that the days of the old are are long gone they're not coming back so
1: they're not coming back no and if i could tell your listeners any one thing before we depart love no matter what love always perseveres love always trusts. love covers love wins and together in love we will win this battle of deceit of greed of scarcity of fear Love
0: will win. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for being a guest on Two Four Seven P- uh Podcast, and hope that you your your tour continues to be very very successful. And you know, we'll, we'll we'll meet again, and we'll have this conversation again.
1: Thank you, Julian. Thank you for having me. Good
0: night, everybody. You're quite welcome. And to all my listeners out there, it's been a pleasure being here with you. I want to thank my guest, Raquel Jones. And I want to thank you for your continued support of the 247 Real Talk podcast. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.